What are you talking about? Real spiel. Yes, real. Yes, yes, real indeed. Much love, respect, and appreciation to those of you tuning into the podcast. Jake, I'm going to need you to stop doing something right now. I'm going to need you to stop submitting votes for Alex Caruso for the uh, All-Star Game. I know it's you. And I know uh, he's the great white hope. I know he's Luca with more bounce, but you got to stop. I ha- I haven't voted once, but Alex Crusoe is pretty dope. The the Eagle. What uh, you know his nickname is the Goat in the Lakers locker room? Yeah, uh I saw that quote. He said something like LeBron just when he sees me, he's like, "What's up, Goat?" Like right. I mean, he's he's obviously feeding into all this social media craze surrounding the fact that a white dude can dunk. We've seen this before. Bro, then he put the headband on. Yeah, he looked fresh with the headband. I'm not going to lie. Look, he balls out. He, he does, does what he, he does what he needs to do. He played great defense at Texas A&M. Just I mean, look what he looks. I think it's more like to do with like the dude is balding. He is white. He's not even like a like a athletic looking white dude. He's not. He's not like shredded or anything. That's why when those Photoshop images from over the summer came out when he was kind of jacked, he looked like a linebacker. No, I didn't see that. But, yeah, no, it, it, it's more to it than him just being white. But, like, you know what I mean? Well, he looks like uh, Ernie's, you know, younger version. He looked like a younger version of Ernie from the NBA team on TNT desk. Like, that's kind of like what he looks like. He looks like a younger Ernie. So Hey, if he's good enough to be on the Lakers and good enough to be balling out with LeBron and AD, keep it up. And that just shows the importance of being in a solid market. Not for a superstar like a Paul, well, maybe Paul George doesn't count, but somebody like Anthony Davis or LeBron or like some of the top five players in the league are going to get endorsements no matter where they are. But being in L.A. for somebody like Alex Caruso matters. Yeah, I mean, he gets the light. You know, like the highlights come with that because if he was playing in Charlotte, you wouldn't see Charlotte, be seeing Charlotte highlights of Alex Caruso. No. Maybe like every now and then. I mean, because think about it, like uh, Lynn Sanity, like he's yes. in New York. Yes. He's in the top market. But he was Asian, and that was and, a big deal. And look, I'm not taking anything away from him because he had a run, and he's balling. Good run. He could play in the league right now. But I'm just saying, if he was in Orlando doing that, would people really be caring like that? I don't know. There's a lot of Asians in Orlando, bro. I think people would care. No. But it's not no, like no, a big I, I get market, what you know what I mean? I get what like, you're saying. No, I mean, it's markets matter. why dudes matter. don't want to play in Charlotte. It's why dudes don't sign like in fucking Charlotte because they... It's like, how am I going to get seen in Charlotte? Well, that's why it's a question mark whether or not Giannis is going to remain in Milwaukee because who's coming to play with him in Milwaukee? I mean, that's a good point, but he likes it there. He He's like openly admitted. Now, I mean, I know that doesn't mean anything, but he really likes it there. They got Chris Middleton to stay. I think Chris Middleton is a lot better than people give him credit for. Well, They I, still got Eric Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe. He's up and down, man. You can't depend on him. You can't rely on Eric Bledsoe, especially not defensively, but I don't know. I think Malcolm Brogdon's still there. No, Malcolm Brogdon plays for the Pacers now, and he's balling. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He came back healthy, and Victor Oladipo is going to come back on the 29th, and Zion Williamson comes back on the 22nd. Did but, you see this man? Couldn't uh, even stay awake at the game last night. Well, who could stay awake watching the Pelicans play against? Who were they playing? I, think it, it was, I mean, or the Clippers game, but it was like a one-point game, dude. Was it? And uh. he was sitting there like, they have video of him like, 
You know when your eyes get all like kind of cross-eyed? No, I saw it. Fighting to stay awake? Yeah, he looked like Charles Barkley on the NBA on TNT does some nights. I thought that it was a bad game, though. But the fact it was a one-point game, he should have been more active. I think it was, at the time, like one point. It was like 51 to 52 or something like that. Possibly. Could be wrong. Hey, man, them late nights in L.A., baby. Hey, he hadn't been on the West Coast yet as a superstar in the NBA. You know, let my boy live. A little different sitting on the bench. Yeah, yeah, let my boy live wearing all them damn blazers and hoodies. He needs to switch his swag up, but he's only 19. I'll give him a chance. What what, what, what are we looking at? Showing uh, high school highlights. The shot selection or shot attempt. No, this is this is college. Oh, is it college? Limpscomb versus Liberty. Well, I mean. And the dude shot it from like three feet in front of half court. I mean, he plays for Liberty. There's a reason why. But it was one second left on the shot clock. Give dude a break. But in any case. Shot. I didn't mean to jump right into NBA conversation. It was just on my mind because I'd seen them talking about all-star voting, and it's just wild to me the way they do that. We can get to that later. The, the thing that's freshest on my mind and most pertinent in sports media is the Super Bowl. It's coming up, and is it, it'll be next week. Did they do a week Two off? Weeks. Two yeah, weeks. Yeah, because we got the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl. Yeah, because that's definitely. This weekend, yeah. which you can bet on. They do. They do put lines on that. Uh, yeah, if you're the real degenerate out there, for the true degenerate in you, bet on Pro Bowl lines. Um, over or under 100 points. I'll bet on the AFC. Who's going to be the – because Mahomes isn't going to play in the Pro Bowl. I mean, it's, it's so Lamar, weird. dude. He's Lamar Jackson? Lamar was the leading vote-getter. Like, But is he going to play? I think so. There's like 13 Ravens going. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy how that always happens when you see a dude like – Jay Cutler had eight Pro Bowls? Like, how? Because – Every year, Aaron Rodgers was like, no, I'm not going to go. Or, you know, Drew Brees didn't want to go or whoever. But uh, who's the best tight end playing in the Super Bowl? That's a good one. Uh, I mean, I I probably lean towards Kelsey, but George Kittle's a great all-around tight end. People don't give him credit for how he blocks. Uh, and he's a great blocker. I I don't know. They kind of ask two, di- it's two, two different kinds of tight ends, in my opinion. It's two different kinds of tight ends. Because of what they asked them to do. I feel like if you put Kittle in the Chiefs offense, he could do what Kelsey does. I don't think Travis could do what George does in that run-based offense. Like, well, I mean, Garoppolo threw, what was it, eight times last game against the Packers, and they ran it like 40 times. So I don't know if you ask Kelsey to get down like an offensive tackle and block 40 times if he's going to be about that life. I mean, not to say he wouldn't be. You know, I know he blocks for the Chiefs a lot, but he's usually split out. I'm, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It could go either way. I think they're both great. They are both great. I'd be interested to see their stats. Kelsey NFL stats versus Kittle. I know Kelsey's been in the league longer, but he has, as uh, for career regular season stats, uh, 97 receptions, 1,229 yards, and five touchdowns this year. For his career, he's got 6,465 and 507 yards. And that's over a one, two, three, four, five, six-year career. Now, let's look at uh, Kittle. Because I know Kittle's been in the league for about four years, and he only recently came on. But he set the record for, like, most yards ever by a tight end, right? Well, yeah, Kelsey broke it last year. And then, like, that same day, George Kittle broke Kelsey. So, regular season this year, he's got 85. Now, he sat out a few games, but he had 85 catches, 1,053 yards, and five touchdowns. So, same number of touchdowns, a few less yards. And over the course of a three-year career so far, he's got 216 
receptions, 2,945 yards and 12 touchdowns. He's on pace to have way more yards and more touchdowns in six years than Kelsey did. That doesn't mean he's a better player, but just watching him play, I'm more scared of Kittle running at me if I'm a DB than I am Kelsey. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think you got to think, to me, there's a lot more options in Kansas City. Well, yeah, if we're looking uh, at so overall that's why, weapons. When you think about it, like, that's why Kelsey's touchdown is probably not as high or uh, stuff like that, That what he's on pace for. But that's just because, like, Kittle is, before this, this year, it's Kittle. That's it. It's this is Kittle true. last year. It's pretty – until, like, halfway through this year, it's Kittle. Because they didn't trade for Emmanuel Sanders till like, week six or seven. And then Debo didn't really start coming on until week eight. Yeah. I mean, and they're primarily run-based anyway. So you could still – sort of lean more towards Kittle in the sense that if he was in a pass-heavy offense where he was relied on to, you know, get 12 targets, he might have better numbers. But either way, both are great. Like you say, both could probably do some of the same things and both might end up in the Hall of Fame if they stay on this trajectory. I just think it's an interesting question going into Super Bowl 50. What are we on, three? I mean, I'd say something like that. I'd say they're definitely like probably the top two tight ends in the league. This is definitely the best tight end matchup we've ever seen in the Super Bowl, at least in recent memory. I just mean like right now, if you look at tight ends in the league. Oh, definitely. They're one and two. It's them two. I think if Mark Andrews was fully healthy all year, he'd be up. He's like up there. That's the Ravens fan speaking in you. Brent Selleck is – or not Brent Selleck. Brent Selleck. It's so crazy. Zach Ertz. It's so crazy how synonymous he is with the Eagles, though, as a tight end, even though Zach Ertz probably broke all his records already. Zach Ertz, I think, is pretty damn good. He's Uh, damn good. Darren Waller had a baller-ass year. I mean, that's five right there. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. There's really – I think it's a little deeper this year than it has been at tight end. No. Who was really good, but they're definitely one and two. Yeah. I I don't think it really matters in what order you put them. 1A, 1B. And if you want to go for a two-week stretch with Jared Cook, you could throw him in there. Yeah, I mean, he was balling. Yeah. He was balling with the Saints for that couple of years. That's another dude. We just finished watching this clip on YouTube from the Ringer Podcast Network, uh, NBA support group. If there was an NFL support group, I'd be a Jared, group, I'd be Jared Cook apologist. Hardcore. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, for I've been riding his way for like a couple of years. I thought last year he was going to have a good year in Oakland. I thought before that with the Packers. How do you not have a good year with the Packers, dude? I think that was more a product of Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers not being on the same page than it was Jared Cook not being a beast. Also, Rodgers has only really had a connection with like one tight end, and that was Jermichael Finley. Like for whatever reason, that's the only tight end he really has connected with because it's taken Jimmy Graham two years to even get some type of like action. And even that doesn't seem like they're on the same page. Like, I don't know. That's just not really a tight end offense. It's not. And I was a, I was a Jermichael Finley apologist, too. I mean, there's been a lot of tight ends. But Jermichael while. Finley was good. He's decent. The whole time he was in the league, like, what he did for the Packers, he was good. He was good. And if, but then he broke his, like, fucked his neck up. Yeah, he had a lot was, of injuries. And that was it. He had a lot of injuries. I mean, he's six foot seven in the league. So, I mean, when you're that tall, yeah. you're have some problems. That's why... I, uh, Gronkowski got back problems. Well, that and, like, Darren Waller's tall as shit, too. Like, he's 6'6 mm. six, six or something like that. Yeah, those dudes are too damn long. But the thing is, you can get enamored with the tight end's athleticism and just think, this dude's going to be the best to ever play the position. He can run and he can jump and he catches everything in the end zone. Why don't they throw it to him all the time? Doesn't make sense to me. Who? Whoever it is. Uh, a beast tight end. That's a freak athlete. I mean, Jermichael Finley, I said about Eric Ebron. I say that about now. There's just always these dudes that are freak athletes and within 10 yards... 
it seems like they can catch everything over everything. Well, yeah, I mean, that's like now DK Metcalf. Exactly. With Seattle. Like, if you're in the red zone, I, I don't understand why you don't throw goal line fades to this man every fucking play. He's 6'4 and can jump high shit. Like, not too many corners are going to probably out jump him for the ball. Not at all. I mean, and speak to Julio Jones. Why didn't he have more touchdowns over the course of his career? To this point, this dude, I mean, it was one point last year where it was like week nine and he didn't have a touchdown yet. But, you know, that's the thing is the height isn't synonymous with, with the deep ball threat or the jump ball guy because – if you think about Des Bryant, wasn't as tall as those guys or or he, Calvin Johnson, but was probably one of the better like jump ball receivers for sure. Receivers, Calvin Johnson is another one, but he was he was big. He just happened to be a good jump ball receiver. These guys, I don't know. I mean, DK Metcalf is young, and Russell Wilson certainly was throwing to him a lot, so he'll probably come into that. But like, not all these guys are, I guess, deep like deep or jump ball receivers. They just happen to be tall and fast. All of them aren't, but Julio is. It's just a problem for me whenever Julio's touchdown numbers aren't higher, and I think that has to do with Kyle Shanahan or whoever is running that offense sometimes. They get too pass-happy with Matty Ice, even though I hate that nickname for him. But Matt Ryan is the dude in that offense, making the 30-something million. This year, Shanahan saw them ghosts from the Super Bowl they lost to the Patriots when they were up 23 points and decided, oh, yeah, I'm just going to run the ball 40 times with Mozart and whatever other running back I have. And Garoppolo, you're going to be like that little boy in the store right now where mama say, you better not look at nothing. You better not look at nothing. If you look at that candy, I'm going to smack you in the mouth. Yeah, I mean, it, it shapes up to be interesting because Kansas City's run defense has been great this year. But they did just shut down the Titans, who were the best running team, or if not the best, the top two, three running team Uh as of late, not all year, but as of late. Yeah. But so we'll see if they can stop San Fran. I think, I mean, Jimmy G is capable of having a shootout. We exactly. saw it against the Saints. Exactly. And that's they haven't had to do it, but we've seen it. Mm-hmm. We were talking about it earlier. But the thing is, is the Niners struggle with mobile quarterbacks, and by no means is Pat Mahomes a guy who's going to come out and run on you. But he's capable. And if they line up in a lot of man-to-man because they think that's the answer to stopping the Chiefs like some teams have – as soon as you turn your back, Pat Mahomes can take off. And that's the other thing. I mean, he has the like the strongest arm I could arguably say I've ever seen. The best arm. Not just strongest. Like, most mechanically sound. In ter- Maybe not mechanically sound because he throws some sidearm balls. They just balls, have so saying. many weapons. Like, His release, the strength, the, all of it. I just Quickness. don't know how they – the Niners have a great defense, but I just don't know how they match up with the Chiefs. Yeah. It's going to depend on the front four. Can they get pressure without sending blitzes? Because if they have to send a lot of blitzes, those linebackers aren't going to be a cover underneath. And all them slant routes and all them little drag routes and all them little little uh, hook and in and out routes fucking uh, Kelsey does. I mean, like, they have, they're going to need to cover all they that have underneath. speed galore at, at wide out. And then Kelsey tight end. I mean, you have Tyreek Hill, who's one of, if not the fastest wide receiver in the league. You have Sammy Watkins, who can still blaze it. And is a good is having a resurgent year. Definitely. And then you have Mecole Hardman, the rookie out of Georgia, who is Tyreek Hill 2.0, who while Tyreek Hill was out, filled in in his place, who's fast as shit, can catch, and returns kicks too. I mean, that's three guys right there that just blaze up, and I, I don't know how you cover all of them. And Travis Kelsey. Well, yeah, and Damian Williams. That's another question going into the Super Bowl. Offense versus defense. This is going to solve the question of, What's more important into in the modern NFL? 
I mean, because this is definitely the best offense versus the best defense. Even but, if not on paper, the eye test tells us that. Yeah, but we've also seen in the past few years where it's been like two teams we thought were going to have shootouts and then they have defensive games. Or two teams we were like, oh, this game's going to be low scoring but could be good, and then they have shootouts. So, I mean, everything changes in the last in the last game. I mean, you try and stick to your identity. I, I get that. But at the same time, you pull out all the stops, and who knows what we'll see. Yeah, like I know. We just, like we were just talking about, I mean, the Niners showed all year that they're a defensive team, but – they have an offense to, to do shoot it out. And then the Chiefs don't have a defense all year until the last quarter of the season when they have a top defense, defense yeah, in the league. most definitely. I just think when it comes down to this year, the 49ers show in the playoffs, they're going to play truer to their identity than most teams. The idea that they ran it 39 times with Mozart for 260 yards, four touchdowns, Garoppolo threw eight. I mean, you got to go back to like, the Houston Texans with, or not even the Houston Texans, the Houston Oilers with Dan Pastorini and fucking Steelers in the 70s with Terry Bradshaw to find a playoff team that threw the ball less than 12 times. He's thrown the ball 12 times since he threw that interception against the Vikings right before the half uh, in the playoffs, was the, their first game. So he threw a terrible interception right before the half. And I think since then, Kyle Shanahan had a conversation with his dad, Mike, and was like, look, don't fuck this up like you did with the Pats. Oh, I mean, not this Packers game, but yeah, the game before against the Vikings, they definitely were just like, get this shit out of Jimmy's hands. Couldn't do it fast enough. Couldn't, the whole second get that half. Game to end fast enough. The whole second half. He threw it four times in the second half of that game and eight times against the Packers. I mean, if you think about it, there's some teams that have been defensive wise have been like locked down and kind of like that. You have the two thousand what two thousand Ravens. With yeah. Trent Dilfer, they said. Score some points, don't turn the ball over, and then they didn't even need to do that because they just beat the shit out of the Giants. And then you have uh, what the Broncos mm-hmm. when Peyton Manning couldn't had noodle arm and couldn't really throw the ball. Noodle arm. He, dude, dude, Peyton Manning's last year when he won that Super Bowl. You're, you think about it. He, that man could not throw the ball more than twenty yards down the field. Uh, what year was that? Two thousand fifteen. It's when they played the Panthers and their defense just like. Demolish the Panthers. Ah, uh, so that would have been 2015. So yeah, this on this uh, ranking only goes back to 2014, but in 2013, the Seahawks has probably been, or the Ravens in 2012, have probably been the most balanced team to win the Super Bowl the last few years. Besides the Patriots in 2014, they had the number four offense and the number eight defense. The Ravens had the number ten offense and the number twelve defense. But like you say, come playoffs, everyone plays different because Flacco played out of his mind in those playoffs. Yeah, I mean, he had the best playoff run. You could argue, I mean, Mahomes is having one now, but that year in the playoffs, Joe Flacco had like 12 or 13 touchdowns and no interceptions. Yeah, but I was leaning in to the craziness earlier about just how much of an impact the rule changes and free agency has had on the league. Because pre-2000, every single team either had a top 10 offense or top 10 defense. Like, they had both. You know, now... It's kind of interchangeable. Like, either you have a number one offense or number one defense. Other than those two teams I just named, every single team pre-2000 had number one, number five, number two, number six. Like, they all had top ten defenses and offenses. So, it's like you had to be good at both back in the day. Whereas now, as long as you've got a really good offense or a really good defense, you're pretty much guaranteed a shot at the title. Because salary caps and all that stuff have restricted these teams to kind of focus on one area. At least that's what it seems like. That's the only thing I can point to. Uh, I mean, more so to me, 
I think it's a little more balanced. I don't know. I, I see it still as like a balanced team because most of the teams that end up going, well, Brady's been there a lot lately. He doesn't really count. But most of these teams have guys under their rookie deals at quarterback where they're not paying $30 million a year to their quarterback and having all that shit tied up in cap space with them. Yeah. I mean, if you looked at the AFC, when there was four teams left in the AFC, you had Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Tannehill, and Lamar. Yeah. Three of those guys are still on a rookie deal. And Mahomes still hasn't signed his extension. Yeah. So him, Watson, and Lamar are all on rookie deals. And then you have Tannehill who's on like a t- one-year deal. Think about Tennessee. when the Seahawks were winning. Russell was on Russell his rookie Wilson deal. Russell was on his rookie deal. It's, when you don't have to spend Buku money on one position and then can spread it out to the others, that's what I see more as the team's going. Obviously, Tom Brady's not the case, but at the same time, well, Tom Brady point. takes lower money and exactly. takes pay cuts so that they have money to go elsewhere on the team. That's exactly what I was about to say. Tom Brady's never been a guy making $25 million a year. I mean, look at – and then you look at the NFC side of it. And you had the last four teams were what? The Vikings. Vikings, the, the Packers. Niners, the Niners, Packers, and the Seahawks. Seahawks. And you could even throw the Saints in there. You go to the six teams that made it in the NFC other than Carson Wentz. All those guys are getting paid Buku fucking money. Yeah. I mean, Garoppolo got that huge deal last year when he first went to San Fran. So he's getting paid out the ass. Aaron Rodgers still getting paid out the ass. Cousins, 85 Cousins million. Cousins making that money that's all guaranteed over three years, every cent of it. And then Russell Wilson, who's getting paid crazy money too. So it's kind of start, It's interesting to see the stark difference between the AFC and NFC. But even so, uh, I think it has to do with where you have money tied up and how much money you have tied up into how many players. Well, how well you do in the draft too. Because in the case of the 49ers – most of their best players right now are either on rookie deals, like all those first-round picks they have on defense, or they have dudes like you know Richard Sherman who are playing really well on team-friendly deals. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm as a Ravens fan, I'm just going to jump to them. If you look at them, they win the Super Bowl in 2012. They pay Joe Flacco $125 million. <laughs> what happens the next five years? They're not good. They were mediocre and not that good for five years. Then they draft Lamar. Joe Flacco's still there, but it's the end of the, coming to the end of the contract when he doesn't have that much guaranteed money. They let him go. Lamar steps in as a baller. Guess what? Next year, everyone's still under contract on that offense, and they have $45 million in cap space. So I'm not going to be surprised to see them go do something again. Yeah, I mean, look at the Saints. When they were playing at their best, and they're starting to experience the downhill tread of that now, but all those players were on rookie deals. The Marshawn Brooks at cornerback. They had uh, the B safety. They had um, Michael Thomas on his rookie deal still before they paid him this year. The only one they were paying a lot was Drew Brees. Uh, Drew Brees. Yeah. But they had a bunch of – and Cam Jordan. But I they mean, had a bunch of dudes. Now, like, Michael Thomas just got that, that biggest contract for a wideout, which is dope because he's – Really fucking good. If not the best receiver in the league right now, he's top two. That window's going to close unless they find a cheaper quarterback. And then Kamara, you know, is, yeah, is there about uh, on a rookie yeah. deal. Yeah. Drew Brees is a free agent, but Bridgewater's a free agent too. And you got to kind of decide what, where you want to go. You got to pay one point. of those dudes. I think Bridgewater walks, and then, I mean, I don't know how. I don't know. That's, a, that's for another time. 
Look to the draft. I just think the best course of action for any general manager is to look to the draft for pieces that you need. I mean, in the case of the 49ers, John Lynch might be up for Hall of Fame player and Hall of Fame GM if he can keep this up with the 49ers. Because I question the fact that he was moving to an executive role just because he sounded good on TV. But it sounds like that's sort of what you do. Like Raheem Moore is going to get a job as a GM pretty soon. And he sounded good on TV the last couple of years. Not Raheem Moore. Raheem... Uh, was buddy ballhead Lewis Riddick? Yeah, Lewis Riddick. I mean, he was a GM at, at one point in his career. He's he was, been he's, he's been, been a like, vice president, he's a player been like personnel, the top and stuff. personnel, and like shit like that. And he played for a while. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it might it'll take a lot of money to get him out of the TV. Oh, I mean, definitely. I think all these guys who do TV have these cushy ass jobs. It's tough to get them to come back to the field. Definitely. And Riddick is good at what he does, and I think he would be good as a GM. But I'm just saying, John Lynch kind of shows. I think he's good as a GM too, but. Well, you got to remember, he was part of the... He was in that kind of realm of things already, so... He was part of the Eagle staff that brought in the Dream Team. Let's not forget that. But he was also a part of the Redskins staff with who knows what they did. But then again, Snyder and Bruce Allen have been running that team for... That's what I'm saying. So let's just not just point to the fact that he did it so he can do it. I mean, shit, all his experience is kind of bad. I'm saying these owners see dudes on TV in suits and sound good and kind of they Monday morning quarterback and talk about things in hindsight and sound really smart about it, then they get these good jobs. John Lynch is just showing he actually knew what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I think, but I'm saying I think Lewis Riddick does too. I mean, He, he might. He called last year, he called Mahomes win MVP last year and him having all those touchdowns. I mean, he said it, so. I'm not saying Lewis Riddick wouldn't be good at his job. As a black man, I definitely hope he gets a great role uh, in a great position. I'm glad he's been able to buy this time. But... We'll see what happens. I don't think the draft is necessarily where you solve issues because more times than not, hmm. guys are flops. I mean, most of these first-round guys don't hit that often. If you look at the hit record, now, do I think there's plenty of guys to fill in in the NFL at quarterback? There's some guys who I think can go to another team and be make a difference. That's what I'm not saying in the first round. I'm saying the draft in general. If you oh, look no, no, at I know. teams' I history. Mean, hmm. But there's, like, a lot of misses. <laughs> like, when you look at – when For certain at, teams. When you look at draft, like... But how well do the Ravens do in the draft every year? How well do the Steelers do? How well do the Patriots do? You know, like... The Ravens hit on everything except receiver in the draft until this past year because I think Hollywood Brown is going to have a phenomenal career, and I think Miles Boykin is too. But other than that, they don't hit it right <laughs> wide receiver. The Steelers never hit at cornerback. So, I mean, there's always a position that sort of is lacking. The Patriots never hit a receiver. But more often than not, there are teams that tend to do better in the draft than others. How oh, yeah, often, yeah, absolutely. You know, how well do the Browns do? I remember one year they had three first-round picks, and then the next year all of them were gone. Well, that's like this year, like uh, the Dolphins, you know, they have a, a lot of picks. Let's see what they can do with them. first and second-round picks. Let's, let's see what they can do. I'd like to see them turn it around. Yeah, I've been hesitant to mention this on the podcast, but my boy, my brother, Austin Clark, is the linebacker coach under Brian Flores with the Miami Dolphins. So I, too, really hope they turn it around and do a great job in the draft. Did you see Rob Lowe with Rob that Lowe. hat on? I did just see a commercial with him clapping. What was that about? That wasn't a commercial. He was at the game. Oh, okay. He wasn't wearing a hat, 49ers hat or Green Bay hat. He was wearing a hat with the NFL Shield logo on it. So he's wearing an NFL logo hat at yes. the San Francisco 49ers game? Yes. Trying to be as impartial as possible? Like what? The fuck, he like running what? for office? There were some great memes about it. So weird. Like, there was one, he's like, Lid's employee, are you sure you want this one? Like, yes, I'm sure. 
this is just the display hat. Like, are you sure you don't <laughs> want a team hat? Yep, I'm sure. I mean, it makes sense. The motherfucker's got a face like a mannequin. Uh, Come on, man. No, if you're going to an NFL game. He's a robot. Pick a expect? fucking team to root for. Like, even if you're not a fan of either team, pick a team to root for. And if you're going to the San Fran game in San Fran and you don't know who to root for, root for fucking San Fran. I like both guys. I'm friends with both guys. You know, Aaron dated Olivia Munn. We've kind of had dinner together. That's that Hollywood bullshit, bro. That's that Hollywood bullshit where you don't want to offend anyone. You don't want to get on anyone's wrong side. Avoid confrontation it's at all costs. It's fucking sports. Hey, hey, the next guy who's hiring or casting for this movie might be a 49ers fan. If he sees me in a Packers hat, then I might not get that movie role. Ah! It's sports, dude. Like, fuck it, man. Bro, he's probably not a fan. He's been in Hollywood since he was 16 years old. Wasn't that dude in Fast Times at Ridgemont High? So what the know. fuck does he know about sports? He probably doesn't even like a team. Dude. What you just said, though, is funny because it reminds me when I was applying to colleges, uh, Morehouse was having like in-person interviews at one of the high schools. So I went. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's college. Like, I don't I don't care that I'm white. I don't care. It's HBCU. Like, it's a, it's a college. Like, it's a good place to go. Shit, that might give you a better leg up. Don't y'all get like tuition grants? That's, that's the thing. I'm also white. So 0.4% of the population of Morehouse is white. Hell yeah. But I go to this interview. I'm doing it. The guy's like, yeah, my supervisor and I are ready to offer you, you know, all of this, everything except books. And then I said something about the Orioles. And he's like, oh, you're an O's fan? Oh, you can get out. Because he's a Yankees fan. They were playing that night. And mm-hmm. I was like, uh, and he's like, no, I'm just fucking with you. Of course but I was joking. just like, I was like, yo. But what you said just reminded me of that how it's like casting director like Sam Fran, so I can't root for can't root for the Packers. That really like, is probably behind his thinking for it. I just it was funny though because I was like, yeah, like before I came in, the score was this, and he was like, oh, you're O's fan, you can get out, you can <laughs> see your way out. I was like, oh, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, you're definitely not going to Morehouse now, cracker. <laughs> no, uh, I remember when I was um, uh, working as an intern at the DC courthouse. And um, it was the Moultrie courthouse. It was in like one of the um, community courts. And this dude was telling me a story about how one of his friends was applying for a clerkship in the Supreme court. And he wouldn't say the name of the dude that he interviewed with, but he said that the entire interview centered around sports. They just talked about their favorite college teams and favorite pro teams and like favorite style of offenses and defenses and shit for an hour. Didn't talk about the law, didn't talk about like the role at all, but he got the job because it was just somebody he could hang out with. He's like, if you're in this room, you're qualified for this role. I, mean, I know that makes sense, yeah. I just want to see if you're somebody I can have a cigar with. So it definitely made sense. But I was like, man, that's so wild. How like, what if he said the wrong thing? What if he's like, oh, I don't even like basketball? Oh, okay, what are we gonna talk about? I was gonna say, okay, I was gonna say, if if you're going for a job and somebody is like, I'm gonna go to, just again back to this home. A Ravens thing. They go, oh, I'm a Steelers fan. And I say, oh, well, I'm a Ravens fan and I don't get hired because that, that's some bum-ass shit. Like, I think somebody would probably rather have, like, a, a heated discussion. Not heated, but, like, a someone more, they can talk to a more discussion that will go back and forth than someone that's going to be their uh, yes man. Like, oh, yeah, the Steelers are great. Even mm. when they fucking say, oh, no, Big Ben shouldn't retire. Like, yes, the fuck he should. Yeah. You want to have a fan-based discussion, whether that person is a fan of your team or another team. I respect a good, knowledgeable fan. So, yeah, I, I feel the same way. That's another realization, dude. Up until, so, I moved to Key West when I was 
24, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Good times. A lot of cocaine 24. and sunshine. Well, I was going to say, up until that point, everyone who I've had like close to me or surround myself with is a sports fan. Mm-hmm. I moved down there, and my two roommates are sports fans. So I would talk to them about sports, but our other, like we all worked in restaurants, the other coworkers, I'd try and talk to about sports mm-hmm. and they're not sports fans. They'd be like, Oh, you're one of those guys. Like, da, da, da. and then it never really dawned on me that some guys aren't like, can't hold a conversation about sports, aren't sports fans. And I'm just sitting there like, I can talk about sports all fucking day. Right? All day. Yeah. I mean, this is the one true bond I would have with. I would say 90% of my coworkers, you just talk about sports. So I had to come up, like, find other things. I mean, it's not like it's hard for me to find other things to talk about. Mm -mm. It's just so easy to go to sports. But, like, with with guys who don't talk sports, I have to talk something else. But I just thought it's funny that I never had had the realization because no one has ever been around me in that sense, like, close enough to me to where I have convos with them a lot Mm -hmm. to realize that some guys – some people just don't like sports. And it's so wild how you experience that in Florida, one of the number one sports states in terms of, like, football and shit. But they do terrible with pro teams because there's just too much shit to do. If you well, live in the Keys... And Key West is a little different. Yeah, you're not... There are no football fields in the Keys. I don't even know if the high school team probably has a football team. They probably have a surfing team. They, ha- they do have a high, uh, football team. And actually, surprisingly, their baseball team at the high school, the Key West High Probably really good. is actually like a state champ like team like 12 years in a row or something like the that. Baseball is always the shit in Florida. If you look at the top prospects, they're always from Florida or California. But it's like that in football, too. It's interesting. Yeah. But that's enough about football. We talked a lot about it, and our picks going into the Super Bowl will be revealed next week. But I just wanted to get to a couple talking points about offense versus defense, old guard versus new guard, best tight ends, all that kind of shit. Uh, we just saw some of the highlights from UFC 246. Did you watch the fight, Jake? Yes. Okay. Even if you didn't see the fight, you can watch it on Instagram right now, I'm sure, because it's, it's 40 seconds. It's 40 seconds. You, there's really not much to watch. And I hate to say it, but this is why I find it hard paying my hard-earned money for a pay-per-view card. Because while the entire card itself might be entertaining, this one wasn't one of those cards. It was decent, solid. Watchable. I watched it from 8 p.m. to 12 p.m. when uh, Connor took his walk. But a 40-second main event, it's like the Tyson factor. It was a lot of wrestling. What are you talking and, about throughout the entire tapping. card? Yeah, it was like, you know. A lot of submissions. I'm, I'm the kind of, I know UFC because, again, sports. But also because I have a lot of friends and my brother's into it. I hate that fucking shit. Yeah, you don't like that. I want to see guys go at it, standing up, throwing bombs at each other, which is highly... Like, Rocky movies don't happen. Yeah, no, no, no. They, they don't. They Rarely. Do, they do sometimes. Rarely. And In those the UFC, are the, and those are my favorite often. fucking fights to watch. But all that wrestling, grappling shit, I, I, I get it. It's, it's, and it's kind of fun to watch. Not fun, but it's like, oh, the strategy here, I get it. It's like chess. I don't want to watch it, though. It's like chess with human dudes. bodies. I want to watch dudes just beating the shit out of one another, like throwing haymakers. I feel you. Jorge Masvidal says it best. This is a violent game. People come to see violence, and he is the king of violence. He knows that. So, like, if you're going into a fight, don't be going in at a crotch grab. Look, look, I I can't remember the dudes' names, but years ago, and it's the one fight that sticks in my head because I just remember sitting there like, holy shit. The bell rings. Dude looks like a caveman. Comes flying out of his corner. Other dude comes flying out of his corner. Flying knees and then just nonstop. Just fucking hate Just going at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For two minutes. 
And I'm just like, holy shit, I love this. Absolutely. Everyone does because as a layman to the sport, you understand striking. Hit body, see body, body go down. I get that. But in terms of jujitsu, it's a bit hard to understand what an Uma Plata is or a Kimura versus a rear naked choke, whatever, whatever. But I will say the president of the UFC agrees with you, Dana White. I mean, he comes from the boxing background, so of course he agrees with you, and he wants people to watch the sport, and he wants as many people attracted to it as possible. So, of course, he wants quick knockouts, but he was talking about the Holly Holm versus Raquel Pennington fight, how the ref wouldn't pull him off the cage, and if you're laying against the cage, not progressing your action at all, definitely break up the fight. But I can appreciate a little jiu-jitsu. Should I watch grappling tournaments? Well, no, I, like I said, I get it, and I understand it. Uh, and I was going to bring up that fight, actually. Because it was one in the card that we're talking about right now, but two because that happened. Holly Holm, she even said in her post interview, didn't go into the fight with that strategy, but it was there and it happened to work. She manhandled Pennington, held her on the fence, punched her in the face a lot, but just controlled her the whole fight. Yeah, and it's a boring thing to and see. It's boring, but you get your points that way. You you get your control points that way, and you I mean you're still clocking her. She's still clocking her in the head like. A bunch of times, kind of. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's fun to watch that happen because it's like not really full blown throws, but like I get it. Well, and to you know, respect Holly Holm a little bit here. She fought Raquel Pennington in her first UFC fight, right? The first time she was in the UFC, she's known as this killer from kickboxing. So Raquel Pennington, a better grappler than her, goes in there and wraps her shit up. Now Holly Holm ended up winning the fight. I think she knocked her out, and that set her up to uh, fight Ronda Rousey, which then catapulted her to UFC stardom, and she hasn't really been as good since then. But in any case, she went into that fight knowing Raquel Pennington was going to grapple her. That was two fucking years ago, or three years ago. Holly Holm is a much better grappler now, well more schooled. So the idea that Raquel Pennington was going to employ that same strategy, you know, just spoke to uh, uh, an ineffective... Uh, uh, mindset going into the fight because well, that's Holly the thing. Holm is it, better now. It didn't even look like Raquel Pennington went to grapple with her. Mm. Holly Holm just went in and did it. She was initiating. She was initiating. She wanted to dominate her with the style that she tried to employ last fight. So, you know, I say all this to say, obviously we want to see more strikes in the UFC. This card wasn't the most exciting. We were only talking about that fight because it related to a point we were trying to make. But the main event, Conor McGregor's return, uh, it was a triumphant one. Oh yeah, and it's funny because you and I said it, man. I would hate to see it for like first round knockouts are fun, but I really don't want to see it happen. And then sure enough, first round fucking knockout. Yeah, and we all were speaking to that because we knew that was probably the greatest potential. You know, I kind of had a feeling going into that fight it could go one of two ways: McGregor's gonna win early, or they're gonna drag it out, and Connor's gonna win late, or uh, Cowboy's gonna win late. But like you said, talk about triumphant. I mean, the bell rings, dude flies out his corner, misses on his first punch, throws four fucking shoulder strikes, which you don't you don't see. Head kick, fight's over, pretty much. Yep, head kick, fight was over. And you feel sorry for Cowboy because he's the type of dude who had been uh, accused of not stepping up in those moments, and it's just another big fight, arguably the biggest of his career. First time he headlined a pay-per-view card, which I found crazy, but... Look, That's why. Look, he's washed. He's the type of fighter that at this point is almost like a punching bag. He's, he's looked, like a stepping stone to the next he's thing. He's looked like shit for for like the last four fights. 
The last three or four fights, yeah, it's been but, rough to watch. But was, back to Connor's greatness. Dude threw, what did they say? Like 40 punches he and threw missed 20 one, strikes, landed 19. Missed one? Yeah, that shit's crazy. It's like going 19 for 20 as a quarterback. It's, it's very hard to throw a strike and not miss. In MMA, and the one he, the one they probably gave him the miss for was probably like the shoulder strike that grazed to, uh, his cheek. No, it was it, the opening shot, the left hand. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the right. only one he missed. I oh. completely forgot about that one. Only one he missed was the left hand as soon as he came out. He said he was a little too eager, but Dude, he, if he would have landed that, like, I don't know. But either way, fucking that was the only time Ring Rush showed. And now Dana White already came out and said. Ner- Khabib could be is likely the next one. I don't know. It makes the most sense from a championship standpoint and protecting Connor's standpoint. But, just but the Gaethje money fight is more hate. Did, I mean, Gaethje probably deserves a fight against Khabib if he beats Tony Ferguson more than Connor McGregor. Definitely. Yeah, Connor hasn't fought in a lightweight division. And that was Khabib's point about he needs to fight nine times and all this. But Khabib's never turned down a fight, and he's not going to turn down a fight against Connor if it's offered to him. I will say. Dana knows Justin Gaethje is one of the most dangerous people at lightweight and one of the most fun to watch. And he said he and Justin have to sit down and have a conversation to get real. So that just tells me Justin and Connor aren't fighting anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, he said that Justin needs to sit down and get real, you know, aka realistic about what's going to happen for his future in the UFC. He's a great fighter, but Connor's not on the uh, roadmap for him anytime soon. I think Jorge or Khabib or Tony Ferguson. Who everybody seems to be sleeping on in April. Like, yeah, I don't if know. If that fight happens. I think if anyone's going to beat Khabib, it's Tony Ferguson. If that fight happens, I'm picking Tony. And Tony's the most dangerous motherfucker at 155 because I don't see, I don't know who beats him. He hasn't lost in 13 or 14 fights. People act like because Khabib is undefeated, that's the most Dude, impressive record in football but or in t- fighting. Tony Ferguson not only like fights pretty crazily, that man is, is crazy. He's crazy. Legitimately, like... He's certifiable, and I say that with all due respect, but he know he's he's had his mental issues. Oh, I meant it more so like he'll talk a lot of shit. He'll talk a lot of shit. But wears, he backs it up, and he don't give a fuck. Like, he'll talk a lot of shit, wear sunglasses indoors while hearing voices. Like This dude is legitimately like a little bit wild in the head, but I will say he's one of the best fighters I've ever seen, and apparently he doesn't stop training. He builds his own gyms up in Big Bear, California, like legit, puts together the wood, all these different jujitsu uh, structures, and he will outrun like lap dudes that he's running with around Big Bear. So like they'll be running laps, doing hikes up the mountains and stuff, and he's lapping them for miles. He's a freak. Apparently, he never stops, and I've never seen him get gassed in a fight. Should be a good fight. It should be a good fight. The whole thing is, I just don't see how Tony loses. I don't see him getting rear naked choked by Khabib. I don't see him getting overwhelmed by Khabib's shitty ass strikes. Not to say Khabib isn't a great striker, but he's not. Yeah. Uh, but back to Connor. I mean, whoever they put him up against, would, we would hope is a good fight. I, it's it's hard to be like, yeah, he had a triumphant return, but it's 40 seconds against Cerrone. Like, we didn't really get to see much. We Can didn't. he truly hold his own at 170? Like, I still think that's a question to be seen. He looked good. I'm not saying he didn't, and I think he is back. But I'm just saying, like, 170 is still a, a heavier class than he's probably used to. It's a much heavier class than he's used to. But I'll say this. His next fight at 170, if it happens, would be Jorge Masvidal. 
And if that's the case, Jorge used to fight at 155 too. So while Jorge might be a little bit bigger than Conor, it wouldn't be a decided side advantage. Donald was bigger than Jorge, and Jorge beat the shit out of Donald Cerrone. Yeah. No, I didn't mean it like that. I just mean like mm-hmm. it's different type of fighting. Different type of fighting. The, the only two fights that really matter for him at welterweight are Jorge Masvidal, Kamaru Usman. And you could say Kobe Covington, but I don't want to see that fight. Kamaru Usman because he has the belt and Jorge Masvidal because that's the money fight. Either one of those dudes, I could see Conor beating. You know, Kamaru's way bigger, but because of the style he's going to come in with, trying to grapple with Conor the whole time, say he doesn't get the shot and Conor's takedown defense is good enough to defend against it, he'll knock Kamaru the fuck out. Because Kamaru can't strike with him. I mean, while he did break Kobe Covington's jaw, that was some of the messiest striking I've ever seen. I was just waiting for them to take someone down. Did that fight, like, just happen? That fight happened, like, three weeks ago, like a month ago. Yeah, oh, it just happened. isn't Covington the MAGA... The MAGA dude? He's the douche who tried to employ Conor McGregor's marketing strategy, but in like a WWE heel type of way that <laughs> sort of worked, but I don't think it did. People were talking about how many fans he had and how people were showing up to watch him lose. Motherfucker only had like, you know, 300,000 Instagram followers. His pay-per-views hadn't, you know, done that well. Jorge's pay-per-view did better against Askren. So, I don't know. But yeah, no, I mean, that and then we get John Jones. We get John Jones February 8th, and before that, January 25th, we actually have UFC Raleigh. It's a fight night card, and the only reason I bring it up is because Angela Hill, Overkill Hill, is fighting on it, and she's from the DMV area. I had the pleasure of meeting her and speaking with her at uh, the Writing and Fighting Symposium held by American University about a month ago, and she was very, very uh, uh, open and giving with her time, talking about her training out in San Diego and everything she had uh, going on with uh, some of the fighter rights stuff that she was hoping could happen in the future. Because I don't know if you know this, fighters don't have any form of union protecting their union rights or labor rights as, you know, workers. They're contractors, just like the WWE. Yeah. So, you know, in a lot of cases, they get 10 to show and 10 to fight. You know, there are all these fight bonuses and win bonuses and all this shit that shouldn't exist in the sport. So I had fun talking and to her the way about that. Sponsorship that. works is crazy too. It's crazy. Like the UFC has their sponsors and Reebok, then, and then like fighters can have their sponsors, but they can only have the sponsorships on their signs that hang behind them, like with their fight camps and shit. Like it's crazy. It used to be you could have a whole bunch of different logos on your pants. Like I remember John Jones was sponsored by Nike for the longest time, and then Reebok came in, and now every fighter. I don't, know if, I don't even know if it's every fighter, but I know fighters get like a blank check for whatever it is, 10 grand. I think it's, yeah, they get like a... 15, 20 grand. They get grand. like a, a cut of whatever that sponsorship is. It's like, a tier. As a whole, yeah. And they said it was to protect the underclass of fighters who couldn't garner any sponsorships, which I think is bullshit because most of those dudes could get local or regional deals from their gyms. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like golf is like that too. You have like... The dudes who are ranked like 100th in the world, at least, I mean, like that's still pretty high since there's so many golfers in the world, but they're not going to get the major sponsorships. They still get something. Exactly. If you're in the UFC and you fight in any city in America, somebody would sponsor you and you would make more than 10 grand to fight from Reebok. So it's a bullshit deal that goes into it's, some of the bullshit. But it's a lot of the stuff. Yeah. Like my brother's all into it. He tells me about it. And it's crazy because, yeah, I mean, in the NFL, it's like, oh, I'm a Nike athlete. I can wear, as long as it's like fits the, the NFL's code of colors and what's allowed, I can wear my Nike shit. Yeah. But if you're a Nike athlete in the UFC, it's kind of pointless because, like, you can't wear anything Nike. you got to just have it on the sign behind you. Yeah, that's the only reason Conor McGregor's a Reebok athlete. 
doesn't make any sense for him to be a Reebok athlete. I mean, internationally, I'm pretty sure Adidas makes more sense. But and then they have like the beer sponsorship. It's like the one beer. It's the whole thing, and that's when you see it on the fucking mat. It's mm-hmm. Like those guys probably can't even rep other be- other beers. And that's why it's such a big deal. Conor McGregor got proper twelve whiskey on the octagon floor as he's fighting. Well, that's the thing. I think one Connor's the big, the biggest superstar UFC's ever had. He's the biggest star but, fighting's ever had. Nah, I wouldn't say that. I think he's the biggest star I think fighting's Floyd, ever had. Floyd is still that in I my don't know. opinion. And, yeah, and then if you took I think I'm not obviously inflation isn't the right word, but if you took Muhammad Ali in his day and his style, I mean he was the original guy like this. Mm-hmm. But I think Floyd taught a lot to to Connor about having his own like promo company and shit like that, and that's why Connor's starting to get like oh proper twelve and the and the advertising in the ring because yep. Floyd, I'm not want to say mentored him, but he probably learned a lot from Floyd on Absolutely. how he runs his own shit. The promotion thing, and then I think it. that's why Connor is like when he was talking about not about not coming back because they'd have to throw the Burke house at him to come back and fight. Mm-hmm. It's like oh okay well. Oh, you want some of the ownership of UFC? Oh, you want all this money? That's definitely Floyd talking there. Yeah, people thought he was making up those numbers when he said he made about $50 million to fight Khabib. If you look at the Forbes list, yeah, it's about how much he made. On the back end, this time he said, yeah, I plan to make about $80 million. People laugh. Yeah, if the pay-per-view numbers go correctly, that's probably about what he's going to make. Right, pay-per-view. And Dana said and it broke the he, records. Cause he, cause, and, yeah, he's probably his own promo company now. He probably doesn't have like a management company other than his own person and his promo company, just like Floyd has the money team. Mm-hmm. Like Floyd bought it. That's why Floyd is the highest paid athlete in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Made almost a billion dollars, like $900 million off fucking fighting. because yep. Got from up under Al Heyman. I think it was Al Heyman repping him, but whoever it was. Yep. And, yeah. and he's smart too because as soon as that fight started and it ended like that, oh, guess what? Mayweather McGregor part oh, two. Posted it immediately and I do not want to see that fight. I'd much rather see McGregor fight Pacquiao if he's going to box again, but... That's, you know, another thing for another time. Uh, oh, oh, more fighting. Fury and Wilder. Or should we expect a great fight like the first one? February 8th. Does it go the distance? Fury said he's coming to knock him out within four rounds or within two rounds. My thought is if Fury goes in there to trade with Deontay Wilder, Wilder can take one of his shots. But that's the thing. They Fury's did, not they, taking they none of his. They did trade, though. They did, they, they, that was a great fight. They traded in the first fight. In the first fight, they traded. I look. I like Fury because, like his story, I I think Wilder's gonna win. No, I, I definitely think Wilder's gonna win. Fury said that he was afraid to go after him with the knockout shot in the first fight. He tagged him up and he outboxed him, but there was never a moment where Fury went at him, where he landed a big shot and then started to actually smell blood and go after him like a predator. This fight, he's saying he's gonna do that, like he did against uh, what's the dude, Zach Zach. Taylor or Zack Snyder, whoever he fought most recently, we had that big ass cut over his eye. Yeah. I don't and know. they almost stopped it from the blood. Fury has the ability to come in. He's fought 29 times and has 23 knockouts or something like that. So I'm not saying he can't knock someone out. Oh, yeah, no, But no, Deontay no. Wilder has the touch of God. I'm it's just a different saying, thing. Like, are we going to get a great fight like the first one? I don't think it can match the intensity and buildup of the first one. But this fight, I will say, I think it's going to be more action packed. I think because Fury has admitted he's coming in to trade with Wilder, not to outbox him and stay on the outside. He wants to get in the phone booth, meet him in the middle, and say, I can take your best shot. I took it last time, and I'll take it again. That's what he said in the press conference. Whether or not that's true, whether or not that's all talk just to get Wilder to come out all amped up and throw that left, I don't know. 
But Jesus, it's, I'm I'm excited for that. There's a lot of good fights coming up. Yeah. All right. This next thing I'm gonna say, just saw on the bottom line. So if it's too fucked up, please cut it out of the podcast. Chandler Parsons got in a car accident. Mm, yeah, I saw that. He got in a car accident. A drunk driver caused a crash. Yeah. And injured him to the point where his basketball future is in question. Mm-hmm. Hasn't his basketball future been in question for the last five years? This man hasn't played a meaningful fucking game of basketball since he was in Memphis. And one could argue how meaningful those minutes were. Definitely. I would agree with everything you're saying. But Is he, it fucked up to say, like, he, that shouldn't even be the headline that his basketball future is in question? This man shouldn't even be in the league anymore. No, that is fucked up to say because he's six foot ten and he can make a three. That's the only reason he's still in the league. He he's gets, long like, two minutes a shoot. game. Dude doesn't even – like, I – when C.J. McCollum got signed for all that money, Chandler Parsons tried to say something, and C.J. McCollum was like, you have the worst contract signed ever in history. He does. And who signed it? The Dallas Mavericks, I think? It's something like that. They love long white boys. They thought they had their next long white boy, and Chandler Parsons just did not pan out. But I will say that's fucked up to say because he's 31, and as in, like I said, a six foot ten dude that can shoot, he probably had three to four more years look, of NBA earning potential. Look, look, look. I hope he gets better, obviously. No one deserves that. And no one's health should be, like, poked fun at or anything. I'm just saying, like, it shouldn't take a car accident to tell these teams that his NBA future is probably not that great. Of course yeah. not. Of course not. It's not like Tracy Morgan where your earning potential shoots up after you get in a car accident. Like, this man nah. was trash at basketball before the car accident. Trash is a loose term. I mean, he is in the NBA, so he's obviously not trash. But he's trash. He's one of those dudes that you're like, wow, Chandler Parsons is still in the league? I mean, I remember him at Florida. He's long and he can shoot. I mean, it's the only reason he's still in the league. He's long and he can shoot. That was a random uh, sort of aside there. Sorry, I, I just seen it on the bottom line over here on the TV because we have it on in the background. R.I.P. Chandler Parsons' basketball career. Last thing I wanted to say on fighting, Julian J. Rock Williams, who I'm not sure if you saw this little spat I got in with him on Instagram. Anybody who follows me on social media will have seen or potentially seen the screenshots that I posted of a conversation he and I had about hopping on bandwagons post-fighter, supporting fighters after they've won a title, and all these different things. This is a guy who got a little sensitive around the time that I was attempting to promote a super welterweight title fight for one of the Charlo twins. That being said, last uh, night, or not last night because it's Monday, Saturday night, he lost to uh, Jason uh, uh, Jason Rosario, uh, junior middleweight title. And I'm not saying this to shit on Julian J-Rock Williams because they have an automatic rematch clause. And I think he's going to bounce back and potentially beat him. He lost by fifth round TKO. Who knows what was going on in his training camp, what was going on in his head. All I have to say is dudes need to stay off social media talking to amateur media critics if you should be focused on the fight camp, right? I mean, who knows how much time he had on his hands, spare time, whatever, whatever. But just the idea that he was getting into a verbal confrontation with me over a social media post that had nothing to do with him seemed problematic to me at the time. And the fact that he lost via fifth-round TKO sort of bears out that conclusion. All right? No disrespect to Julian J. Rock Williams. I would say keep your head in the gym and not of Instagram. Yeah, I don't know the situation behind it nah. and what happened. But, uh, I mean. Fair or unfair, keep your head up, champ. I get, I get what you're saying. At the same time, like, everybody's human. 
Everybody's it's human. It's the same thing. It's why, like, KD, I don't want to say he gets a pass for having burner accounts because, yeah. But, like, everyone should be able to have some Twitter fingers. Everybody should be able to have some Twitter fingers. I'm just saying. If you're a fighter or if you're an athlete at any level, you shouldn't get too sensitive about statements or posts being made related to you. Not even about you. I'm just saying related to you. In this case, he said I was using his name to promote another fighter. Doesn't matter. It's not what I was doing. And in KD's case, he shouldn't have burner accounts. Yeah. Much love, respect, and appreciation to everyone that took the hour to tune in to Jake and I shoot the shit over sports and current events from this past weekend's fights, basketball games, and football championship weekend. Uh, Super Bowl coming up February 8th, I think it is, February 2nd, something like that. Man, where did the time time go? It has been flying by. There's only one meaningful game left in yep. this season. I feel like just yesterday we were we were talking about, oh, week one's coming up. How pumped we are football season. It does fly. It flies when you're having fun, man. It flies when you're having fun. I'll be back on Thursday uh, to preview the weekend's events. And hope you guys are there with me. Much love. Count the jackal. Did you fuck a menstrual? Did you think about another way just to get yourself a handful? Did you tell her that you never ever leave her? Long she swallowed all you semen. Pulled off in something that represents my character. Demon. I don't give a fuck. Had to fuck her up. Two sips from another double cup. Put my dick across the finish line. Guess what? Fucking first. Back page and a hearse. Hell, where I'm gonna find my word. I don't know. Pound of that heart attack. Eight slacks on the brain. Shit. Oh, anything with a beat inside. First of all, I know you want a ball. If the coke wasn't here, I know you wouldn't call. Let me talk my shit. Charmin's involved. Ready to these niggas, look I am your father Two clips, two bitches, two rings, two chains Tell me what you wanna do More wet, do say Kool-Aid, what's your name? Don't matter, grab a ladder for my dick Pesos, underlay, underlay Mozart in a dark, bitch, please play your part Is it me or is it you? <laughs> Follow me like Twitter I don't fuck around and hit her Treat it just like my zipper In and out like the burgers Roll the window up, nigga You know you make me nervous Give a fuck about another nigga, I get the spraying curtains I done lost it all, tryna get it bad Like my father when my mother left, yeah, yeah Apologize for every lie, circumcised Know your way, flipping no fucking pies Hard to fantasize that you niggas flipping work For you come out the womb Hair potted to these niggas, tryna play Quidditch Oh my god, I need a broom Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Yeah, 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 I done turned up on Valentine's. I ain't even buying shit. All these bricks in my trunk, nigga. Spend it all on my wrist. I done came through just to tell you. Who. I ain't even front to argue with you. I don't even argue with my main bitch. I know that says a lot. Know you came here just to run a block. Sorry for the wait. Knife on that chopper, yeah. Lay you where you stay. 
54 Jackpot. Never gave a fuck about where you stay. Running five, five, six bullets, nigga. Right through your mama gate. Penetrate, consolate, concentrate, disarray, dissipate, disappear. I don't give no fucks about another nigga flagging him. Hit a nigga, what the fucking chopper, nigga? Send him to the daughter. Butter on them cheddar biscuits, nigga. Send a red lobster. Wake up every morning with my dick in my hand, nigga. Tryna bust a nut. Thinking about Tiana Taylor, nigga. Get up in them guts. Hey, man, this bitch, yeah, nigga, yeah, with two chains. Give a fuck about another bitch. All she good for, yeah, is get a brain. Insane.